podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind and Soul Healing Conversations. Spiritual joy is a state of the heart and the soul. It is produced when the heart and soul unite in the service of a greater good, such as the unfolding of the divine plan on the planet. It creates within the person a sense of contentment, acceptance, and serenity, a deep knowing that whatever might happen, it will all be for the highest good and the greatest good according to divine decree. SpiritLibrary.com In this Part 2 episode, Valeria Tellis interviews Joy Reeser about joy, inner peace, and spirituality. Joy Reeser is an author, joyful wares, spiritual director, and ordained minister. She's the author of the lovely books Go Enjoy an Alphabetical Adventure, Go Enjoy Venture to Your Center, and Designed to Shine. Joy Reeser loves that she has healed into her birth name beyond wounds that keep her hiding from life. She shines in Western North Carolina, writing books that inspire readers, serves clients as their spiritual mentor, adventures with her partner Michael, and hula hoops in sunbeams. Here is the interview with Joy Reeser. We spoke a few days ago, not too long ago. Did anything change since? Who is Joy Reeser in this moment? Uh, well, at this moment, I am happier because I have made such amazing connections in the last week. I am going to be going to this job corps in my town with vocational students and being able to present to them and I've just had other amazing connections. So I would say I am the same joy, <laughs> only extremely happier at this moment. <laughs> mm, yeah, how wonderful. And it's interesting that you talk about connections. Yeah, human relationships, they're so important for spiritual growth. They're such a great way of learning. So let's continue our conversation based on the topics and messages in your books, Go Enjoy, An Alphabetical Adventure, and Designed to Shine. So you wrote, live into more allowing with others and moments. My question is, what do you mean by this? And what are some of your suggestions for living like this? It's different than how I yet used to live, where I was in my perfection, which I know was connected to fear and connected to control and that I didn't want things. I needed things to be a certain way. I needed people to be a certain way or I couldn't be happy or something. But over the years, I have changed, let go of layers of perfectionism 
And these days, I am more allowing. And what I mean by that is, it's like extending unconditional love to people. You know, I don't cut them off. I don't interrupt them. When I am with a person, I am not waiting to talk. I am deeply listening to what they are saying. And then I probably breathe at the end of that and consider, oh, how might I respond to that? But I find allowing has slowed me down and invited more connection with people. That makes so much sense, this idea of flowing and just letting the universe kind of manifest through us. Like we talked before in our first conversation, life being life, just uh, doing whatever it's supposed to do. And the idea of control, it's very interesting. How do we balance self-control or having control over ourselves and others and situations and at the same time flowing with life? Hmm. Oh, that's a beautiful question. I guess we always are balancing that because we're balancing, you know, maybe what come what comes up in ourselves, whether do I say this or do I not? I think I do balance this very well. And for other people to consider this, it's that when instead of reacting, can you breathe and instead do some responding? If you're interrupting someone, can you be quiet? Can you let them finish their sentences? You know, I find that allowing is a very beautiful thing. And in my own self-control of not always jumping in with ideas, but letting people say what they need to <laughs> what they say, what they need to say. I really think it's all so much is connected. So I see that connected to honoring the person we're with, respecting the person we're with, maybe even revering the person we're with so that we are not just walking all over them. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, a thousand <laughs> times. <laughs> I had to learn that pretty fast, <laughs> hosting the podcast. <laughs> Talk to me about the passage in your book that reads, May we honor our ancestors with loving intention. I received a painful tooth a number of years ago and went to the dentist and he said it was nothing. And I ended up, that's when I visited my son, who was, my older son was in the Peace Corps in Africa, we had the chance to go see a medicine woman. I asked her about my tooth and she brought up my grandmother. And that night I talked to my grandmother. And when I got home, I also had fallen down when I was visiting my son in Namibia. And when I fall down, I make an appointment with a woman in my town who does craniosacral therapy. I feel kind of like Humpty Dumpty if I fall and she puts me back together. So I went that day and I told her about my tooth situation and she was working with me and she said, your grandmother is here. I remember I wondering, did she see her? Did she sense her? But all I know is in my mind's eye, I climbed up into her lap. I asked for her forgiveness and I started crying. And I had such a release that day of my 
anxiety about that grandmother. And I just understand that no matter how these people lived or hurt us, when they are in the great beyond, can we honor their legacy? Can we remember that they likely did the best they could? And, you know, maybe what I know about this particular grandmother is my father really didn't like her and moved us away from her. And like my understanding of her was really jaded by my father's dislike of his own mother. So I understand that my my work as an evolving individual is to really honor the people that came before me mm. because they gave me life. They gave me, you know, whatever gifts they could give me. And I have received many gifts from my ancestors. There, there was one aunt in my life who would send me a birthday card that came exactly on the day of my birthday every summer. Oh. <laughs> and she would underline happy birthday in two very straight red lines with colored pencils. She was a teacher and she made me, she was so connected to me without that we really didn't have a big connection. She lived very far away. We didn't have much communication during the year, but she always sent me that birthday card and an amount of money of how old I had become. Well, there I was, a newlywed, and I get a letter from a lawyer. That particular aunt had made trusts for her nieces, and I received a beautiful amount of money from her. And, you know, just thinking of that, and I have a, some furniture from ancestors, I have some jewelry, but these, the memories of these beloved people who loved me when I was a little girl, but who I can honor as I'm now the age that I am. That makes me think about uh, this truth that we are all connected um, in bodies or without bodies. <laughs> yes, yes. And yeah, and that came back to me with that tooth thing that like, oh my gosh, my grandmother is, you know, right on the other side of the veil. Right. Like she's right here. And I do, I love her now. I needed to heal so many things. And that was one of them was connections with family members. You also wrote uh, something insightful. You said, try a little kindness toward your sweet self. <laughs> so, very cute. I have two questions. One is, is there a difference between self-care and self-love? And how realistic it is, the idea of loving ourselves unconditionally? Oh, Valeria, I see that self-care and self-love are very connected in my understanding. I believe that the more I care for myself, they've, they've worked, they're like uh, mirrors of each other. So the more I care for myself, feeds into the more I love myself. The more I love myself, the more I care for myself. My brain isn't remembering the second part of your question. Yeah, um, if it is um, a realistic idea to love ourselves unconditionally. Ooh, I believe so. Um, I recently... Well, no, it was a while ago, but I recently remembered this again, which is we are created. I think maybe we can all agree that we are of the creator. 
created. Our parents got together on a Saturday night, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they, right. they <laughs> wanted, you know, they loved, they connected their bodies so that we could be created. Mm-hmm. And years ago, I remember having that realization. I was so hard on myself and I was so not taking good care of myself. I wasn't even in my body exactly. I was living from the neck up. And I remember having the idea, well, if I was created and God is a loving creator, which I do believe, how could I not love this creation of me? Mm. Like that wouldn't make sense. And I don't know exactly when it happened that I felt so much love for myself, but I know that I'm continuing self-care practices. Um, I have a spiritual practice every morning that feeds my soul. I love to give myself healthy food. I feel way better feeding myself good food than eating sugar or something that just doesn't make me feel good. I exercise, but I can look in my eyes now. I do it more often when I'm in the bathroom, if I'm putting in my contacts or washing my face or brushing my teeth, but I look at myself more than I ever did. And I look in my eyes and tell myself that I love myself. Yeah, I believe that I unconditionally love myself. I don't know how common that is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) True, yeah, I wonder how common that is. And I also wonder, how do we know when we are practicing self-love and not selfishness? Your questions are so great. Um, You know, because they are things I never thought about in my life. But I think they're connected. I think that having some selfishness is not a negativity, a negative trait. I think that we all have understood that selfishness sounds negative. But when I honor me, getting the rest I need, um, saying no to things, like I have already lived It feels like I've already lived many lives in this lifetime. The times that I was running, 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 the days that I was doing everything for everyone else. And I even guide clients in looking at how are they honoring themselves? Are they giving away too much of themselves to other people? Because I think that part of the problem with life today is that more people are overly busy, they are overly stressed, they have illness, they're exhausted, they're, but part of it is a boundary issue, mm-hmm. that they are not caring for themselves enough. Right. They have lost sight of really being kind and loving to who they are, and they, they may have wounds in them that are making them being people pleasers, or doing things for people that have power over them that they really should not be doing. I mean, there are so many ways that people can live. And I believe that I have lived into the formula that works for me, which is I am serving more people these days, and I am more connected with more people these days, and I have more phone calls than I've ever had. And I know my boundaries, and that means I know how to be selfish, give myself the time that I need to refresh, to rest, 
to eat. And so I don't rush anymore. I hardly, I, I might have to <laughs> at, some, at some point, but right. mostly I'm not putting so much on my calendar. Right before this, I, I did get home um, 15 minutes before our interview. I left an hour and a half before the interview to take a walk. Yeah. <laughs> and as I, I took, I had my watch on and as I walked, I went just next door actually. And I realized, oh, maybe this is the day to meet my neighbor. I had learned that she had been away for a long time and that the other neighbor on the other side wanted us to meet. And I thought, hmm, well, it was a profound connection with this neighbor as so much so that I got home 15 minutes before this interview and I didn't get the walk. And as I was walking into my house, I was only feeling gratitude. Mm, wow. I can walk later. I can do an exercise tape. There are many ways I can move my body later today. Yeah. But that connection with my neighbor today was divinely orchestrated. And it was so profoundly beautiful. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That goes back with the idea of just letting the divine force walk through us and do the work, life being life. Yes. And that's what my, my last week has been all of that. You know, when I was taking a walk downtown on Saturday and passed a business and then something in me was like, no, go in and talk to that person. I met the owner and I it, I had this, this beautiful connection. She is going to let me come into her store, her coffee shop and, and be with my books any day I want to do it. That's great. Yeah. Yes, it is great because my books are inspiring and healing. Yeah. They are beautiful and beautiful, too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> really beautiful. I love looking at them. So let's talk about grief, forgiveness, and letting go. What profound lessons have you learned from losing loved ones? I have learned very much. I have learned to honor where they are before they have left. I have learned that grief is an individual journey and that we can think we're over it and then we'll get some tr something will trigger us. I know years ago, I felt like I was pretty much over this loss and then I found something in a closet and I became a puddle on the floor of tears. And to understand that grief is its own journey and it's a very individual thing. I also have had amazing mm, reconnections with people and forgiven people. In fact, I just happened to tell this story to a friend, but there was, well, I don't want to say too much, of course, because I don't want to harm any parties. Right. Let's just say there was someone in my life that seriously harmed me and I felt I would never be able to forgive that person. Right. And, you know, now I can see like, why would I want to hold on to that unforgiveness? Yeah. I believe, you know, so what happened was I had this crazy synchronicity where on a social media platform, I clicked on that person's name by accident because it was known to me. And then this person wrote to me and said, oh, my gosh, could I could I call you? And I knew that this person wanted 
my forgiveness and that I was in a place very happy to give it to her. And then she bought my journal and we had an amazing conversation and she said she still needs a lot of other healing. And I said, call me anytime, you know, I'd be happy to talk with you. I am this other woman that had there had been a big disruption in our friendship, like it ended. And I grieved the loss of this friend. (laughs) Oh, it's not funny, but I it was painful until I finally let go of the pain. And then I saw her at a house concert a half an hour from where I live. And she walked in and I'm like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) it's so good to see you. And we are reconnected. I have been reconnecting where there was separation. And I recommend it. I don't believe we're supposed to hold on to any negative feeling, no resentment, no unforgiveness, no rage, no. Why would we hold that in our body? Right, right. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like a recipe for inner peace, doesn't it? Oh, yes. To have connection, to heal separation. Forgiveness is that. It is a gift to who we are. And there were three things you named, Valerie. It was grief, forgiveness, and what was the third? Letting go. Yeah, letting go. Oh, that's been everything. (laughs) I've been on a big journey for how many years? I don't know, of letting go, of releasing what isn't serving me. And that would be helpful to any person listening. What are you holding that is not serving the higher good of you? Journaling has helped me with a lot of things to write it down. I I think that there have been a couple times in my life I've written things on a piece of paper and put it into a burning bowl oh. and let those ashes go into the air. And that is a way of release. I have released items I've been holding and, you know, finally realizing why. Yeah, I think life, our lives are rather temporary. <laughs> <laughs> That's and it, sure. Yeah, we don't need to hold everything right. or save everything. Or yeah, so true. In your books, in one of your books, you talk about how precious friends are. You just mentioned about a dear friend you had, and then the reconnection. I'm wondering what is your definition of true friend. I think a true friend is that those individuals who love us no matter what we say and what we do, and they support us. You know, I don't intentionally hurt my friend, hurt my friend. Of course not. But I think they, a true friend would be open to a discussion. Like if they felt hurt, I would hope that that true friend would say, hey, can we talk about that? Because that hurt my feelings. Yeah. Like there's an openness. Right. There's a such a lovely connection that there's an openness and a real depth. I mean, I have my husband moved me from Ohio to the mountains of Western North Carolina and asked for a divorce a year later. And I don't hold any negative about it. I'm completely happy in my new home of Western North Carolina. And I still have these amazing friends in Ohio. (laughs) And so what happens with life and the busyness, my friends, when I feel it inside myself of, hmm, 
I'm ready to talk to that girlfriend. I will text her or email and say, hey, are you ready to schedule a call? And then she will be or she won't be. But I stay connected with friends. I definitely won't drop a friend. Yeah, you know, that's funny because I think my husband says that a lot, that to have a good friend or true friend, you must be one. That's true, isn't it? Starts with us. It is. Yes. Every I think doesn't everything start with us? <laughs> everything. Wasn't, wasn't that <laughs> one of the commandments? Yeah. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And I think that a lot of us, maybe we grew up in a codependent family. Maybe we grew up where people said, Oh, stop thinking of yourself. You need to do this and this, you know. But really, when we honor ourselves, when we're a good friend to ourselves, we can more easily be a good friend to other people. Yeah. Then it goes back to what we talked earlier about unconditional self love. Yeah. You talk a lot about uh, being in the present moment. But also imagination, practicing this tool of imagination and how important it is. So I wonder how can we enjoy the present moment, be here now, while we create this new reality in our own minds? Hmm. Thank you. I would say what comes up in me is that they are two different things so that it is so easy for me to be with what I am with. Yeah. So if I'm with you today, my mind is not and my brain is not swirling somewhere else at this moment. I am really, really here. And that there are other times where I can sit in the silence and play within my imagination and let my imagination run. Where does it want to go? You know, it wants to imagine that next living arrangement for me where my partner and I actually live together. And we've talked about it, you know, that maybe in a year or two, we will be ready to do that. So I think that, oh gosh, my imagination, also imagination, I know it can lead us to so many great places. And that when I was a young person, I think I was a teenager, when I wanted to be an exchange student to another country. So I laid on the floor and looked at the list of countries every night mm -hmm. and <laughs> imagined myself in these places. Mm -hmm. And I think I was doing, you know, a kind of manifestation of I was going to be an exchange student living somewhere else. And lo and behold, my mother came to the school one day mm -hmm. with this packet and I opened it and it said, Turkey opens its doors to you. <laughs> and my mother goes, Turkey? <laughs> and I just thought, well, that's not what I exactly imagined. Because <laughs> I was a French student, you know, French three, French four. I really wanted to go to Paris. Mm. But I had an amazing experience in Istanbul. Mm. Yeah. So I think imagining, and I believe that we do create our lives, Valeria, so that I am living into everything I imagine. Well, no, it's not everything I imagine. <laughs> and it reminds me of what Jesus said in this book I'm reading, um, The Way of Mastery, that he said he took time apart and he knew that something, he heard people talking about his life and he knew, <laughs> he knew something. He didn't imagine that he would be crucified, but he knew he was here to teach us something. And 
I wrote in my journal for years, like every day for, I don't know how long I wrote it, a prayer to become the joy I am created to be. So what I am living into of being an author of inspiring books and being on podcasts, I, I didn't exactly imagine it. And yet I am joy. Mm. <laughs> <And> I, am, <laughs> I am more me every day bringing love and light and peace and joy and kindness and generosity and patience. It's amazing to me. This is off the topic, yeah. Valerie, yeah. but I just, when I said that word patience, it, I have been in more situations lately where the people on the other side of the desk are so apologetic for taking their time to do what they need to do for me. And I love being able to look at them and smile and say, no worries. I allowed time to wait for this. I have grown into such patience that It is a little astounding to some part of me that used to be the most impatient individual. (laughs) (laughs) But I know that it's a gift to the world that all those qualities that are named in the Bible that are the fruits of the Spirit, they're known as, and I'm not a Bible scholar and I cannot name them at this moment, but I know that I do represent them. I have them. I think patience of the other virtues, also called them inner strength, they're all byproduct of inner peace. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. Yes, because when we are peace, when we have peace in our heart, yeah. we can be calm, we can be clear, we can be allowing, patient, kind. Yeah, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you wrote something very interesting to me. I would love to understand more. You said, honor your nature and challenge it too. I remember that writing that, that that had to do with me. I had been such a sensitive person, so sensitive to my feelings got hurt so easily And people were always too loud for me, too fast for me. Lights were too bright. But a few years ago, my massage therapist kept praising his practice of hot yoga, Bikram yoga. And he said it so much and so often that I finally, I went over there and and I I said to the people, I said, you know, I've been a really sensitive individual. I'm sensitive to heat and cold. And but what do you think? Can I, how could I try this out? And what I learned from those folks is that I could try it out for maybe a week for a low price and go as many times as I wanted to go. Um, I ended up actually doing that for a few months. That practice of hot yoga. And it was a great challenge to who I am because that heat and the moist heat, (laughs) the moist and the perspiration and the smells in the room (laughs) and everything about that. Like, I know people that love that so much they've been doing it for eight years, you know, but that is not me. (laughs) But I could lean into it. I could challenge myself to get an understanding 
of myself. And it also, I think it cured me of being extremely sensitive to temperature. So, and I know when I won at an auction, I won um, a month at CrossFit. And I knew my children, my sons had done a lot of CrossFit. And I thought, I want to see what this is. (laughs) You know, part of what calls me forward to challenge my own nature is curiosity and experimenting with life and widening my understanding of life. Because I believe that everything we experience, that that is the way we really can understand something. And if we just read about it or talk to people who did it, we are not really getting it. The way to really get to the heart of things is to experience them. True. So true. You know, so all the years I was married and I knew divorced people, I could never understand that pain. But once I became divorced, I lived it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think that so that quote, what it was, honor our nature and challenge it. Right. Yeah, that, in fact, I'll say that that divorce was so challenging because I had such a strong belief that I would never divorce. I would have this long marriage. My children would have an intact family, and I just never had a belief. Mm -hmm. And it, it, that divorce shattered a really strong belief in my body. (laughs) I needed to um, move through that place and I I have. And now what I understand is that, OMG, maybe we are not meant to be with one individual for the rest of our, our lives. Some people do find that individual. And and I would pray that my sons who married last summer, mm. I believe they have found that woman, but I don't know the future of their relationships, right. of their marriages. But I know that surviving a divorce and thriving is a possibility. Mm. <laughs> I am right. I am doing it. I am completely thriving. I love my ex, not in a way that I ever need to be with him again, yeah. but I love who he was to me, the gifts he brought to me, the sons we have, the life we shared was good. And he's remarried. And I wish them nothing but the best. That's wonderful, Joy. Really wonderful. This kind of situation, I guess it's challenging not to do this in life, not to believe in something, believe in togetherness and love and true friendship without this attachment. We need to believe in these things. I don't know if you call belief uh, without attachment. Just uh, be open. Mm, Yes, yes, what you're naming is because this is what life has taught me is that I can believe in things. I officiate weddings. I'm a minister. I believe in marriage. It doesn't mean that I don't also understand that they don't always last and that sometimes people hold on to the pain of that loss for so long. But I knew when my divorce happened, I had known too many people that they were still in the divorce 15 years out or 20 years out. And I said to myself, 
I am going to get through this faster because I knew that I had a lot more living to do. So I think, yeah, maybe having beliefs is fine, but not having them be so strict belief that you're not open to a new understanding. Right. It maybe what it is is not being naive. It might be this openness that allows us to uh, embrace life the way life flows. And it's not, not always our own way, the way we want. Yeah. And I think that whole subject of attachment, belief, it, it is a very, it's a very good thing to understand for yourself because, for example, I named, I think on the first interview that I lived with a car accident in my body yeah. for nine years yeah. because I held such a deep belief against chiropractic where these days, oh my gosh, Give me a chiropractor if I tweak my back. I mean, <laughs> I had been brainwashed about the medical profession. My father, bless his soul, was an internist in my growing up years. So I think that beliefs are good and seeing other people's perspectives regarding our beliefs is really, really good. Yeah. Because if I believe something that the sky is green, I would want to know people who would say to me, well, okay, and I see it as blue and gray and white. Mm. You know, I really don't see it as green. And then I would say, tell me more about that. Because this is how I think our hearts soften, that we're just not stuck on our position. Yes, right. Right. With so much attachment to the point of feeling destroyed or even causing behaviors that they're self-destructive by losing something that we believed so solidly. Yes. And I think that that's what loss teaches us. And I think that divorced people who are thriving, we all know, oh, my gosh, that was such a gift because I learned not to be attached to a way of being with a man. Like Michael and I, there's this the deepest love between us yeah. and in us. And we believe we would like to live together in a couple of years. We're not attached to being together. If he had to go away, oh my gosh, if he passed away, that would hurt. And I would move along in my life because I would treasure what we had. I would grieve the loss. And I would give myself time and space to heal my heart. And in time, if I received another relationship that was good for me, I would lean into it. You know, yeah, I think I love growth. Growth and learning, right? Constantly learning, evolving, right? Yes, and healing, always healing into new ways of being in the world. I personally, I never wanted to get caught up I mean, once I healed beyond blame, shame, and everything else, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, okay, so if I'm this, that means I can add more light into the world. You know, and these books that I write, they come to me. I never tried to write one. Mm, right. I believe they wanted to be here through me. Yeah, I don't think that's a belief. <laughs> <laughs> That's a knowing. That's different. It's a knowing. They came to be here through me. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Valeria, would you like me to read anything from a book on this podcast? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yes. 
anything particular you'd like me to read, like a rhyme or a bit of an essay? Or anything, anything that you feel it should be here. <laughs> I, I don't believe in a should word, but um, yeah, yes. Okay, well, I'm feeling called to open the journal called Venture to Your Center, journaling prompts to enliven your joy, to go to the V's for Valeria <laughs> for your name, and to see what topics are there. Let's see, and then I could read one topic or more than one. All right, so there's variety, mm. there's veil, there's verge, those three of journaling prompts. I'll let you choose. That's what the mind say. Well, I'll just, I think I'd like to read two of them. Okay. Let's read Veil and Verge. Do we need to remove a veil between ourselves and the world? Do we need to keep it in place? How about between us and another? Is it appropriate to remove a veil, knitting into place the space between us? How might we do this? Write to the idea of veils in your life. Then there's room to write, and then there's a few short words, and this one says, clear the way. And Verge says, what are we on the verge of living into? Can we take a step toward this place? Can we clearly intend our desire to bring it forth? How can we aid this unfolding situation? Is it simply our task to breathe into trust? What does the word verge say to you? There's space to write, and then it says, step through. Thank you. Wow, yeah. Trust, yeah, such a big thing. Just trust, right? Trust, flow. Mm, I'm, I've been learning that trusting the unfolding of my journey is a really easy thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it becomes easier and easier, I guess, right? It With does. Practice. As the it's unfolding in, it, it, I feel a momentum yeah. to the unfolding of my life. Yeah. I receive so many ideas to live into, um, to market my books and different things. So I'm on my purpose to bring a lot of goodness. And um, yeah, I'm happy. That's a wonderful joy. I'll be asking you my last question. What are three things everyone should know or do before they die? Forgive yourself and everyone you need to forgive before you die. I would say before you die, do what's calling to you. Don't die with, you know, be on your deathbed with a regret. Do what you feel called to do. Lean into it. Live into it. Enjoy moments. Enjoy every moment you can. Every sunrise, every butterfly, every bird, every flower. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for this amazing and wonderful conversation again. Thank you, Joy. You're so welcome, Valeria. Thank you for the opportunity. And listeners, may you live into better and better days as you're able. Much love. Where can we find more information about you, your books, services, and future projects? 
my website would be a good place, joyonyourshoulders.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Joy. Now talk to you soon. Thank you, Valerie. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Joy Reeser, please visit her website, joyonyourshoulders.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.